0: Good morning. morning. Again, welcome to River Community Church. My name is Sam, one of the pastors here. It is so good to be here with you this morning. We are in this series, like it said on the screen, called Represent, where we are looking at the book of Acts and seeing how these first Christians, these first followers of Jesus represented Jesus to their community. And then we're looking at how we can do that ourselves in our own communities. Uh, And uh, I was thinking about this and and looking through it, and as we're looking at uh, how this, this group of people became what we now call the church... Uh, I was thinking about how not once, like not a single time, not one time in the entire book of Acts does it ever say in any shape or form where everybody came together and decided to build a building to call a church. It doesn't say it once, like not once about a building. Now that doesn't mean that the buildings are bad, they're not, they're incredibly useful and, and in some ways really practical, but they're just not the point. At least not when you're looking at the very beginning of the church. And so today, as, as we talk about the church, like this thing that we're all a part of, that we, we get together for in some ways, and, and that we go out and do as, as an action, that, that today, what well, you're going to leave here with this deeper understanding of what the church is, what the church isn't, and maybe to your surprise, even maybe a bit of fascination and excitement for its mission, its leadership wisdom, and I'll just say it. You might even leave here kind of excited about how weird the church is. Like you might be like happy about how weird the church is uh, when you leave here in a little while. But first, first, before we get into it this morning, I have to, I have to do something. We have to hit the rewind button. Hit the rewind Okay, do you remember that noise? Like that was a tape cassette, cassette tape? Does anybody actually know it? Yes? Okay, those are things. All right. All right, so we're rewinding a little bit. Like go back into your 1987 brain and, and think about being back there. And uh, we've rewound to last week. We talked about this verse. It's like the most important verse in all of the book of Acts because it sets the tone for the whole thing. This is what it says. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We talked last week about how God empowers us to be Jesus' witnesses, his representatives. But get this, get this. That was not the first whiff of that purpose in the Bible. In fact, that purpose has been in the DNA of the nation Jesus came from, the Jewish or the Israelite nation, since basically the beginning, like the beginning of all time. This is like this baked-in idea. It, it says this, and uh, if we hit the rewind button one more time, go even further back, gonna go way back, even further, all the way back to the very beginning of this book. If we go back to the very first book in this book, the book of Genesis, we find this verse it's in Genesis eighteen eighteen. It says this, it says, For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Abraham's like the first guy, like the first guy of this Israelite nation. In the very beginning, God says, I'm going to set you apart, and through this one guy and his descendants, I'm going to bless the whole world. From the very beginning of this book, from the very beginning of the Bible, God has been planning this. Through this nation, all people would be blessed. This is like this baked in idea. Something God has been planning and orchestrating and arranging for thousands of years, which, which makes me think of this, this picture that Jesus paints sometimes. It's actually one of my favorite word pictures Jesus uses. It, it's of these things, it's of, of mustard seed mustard seed. I've had this, this little container of mustard seeds on my desk since like 2011. And it's been in my office, so I don't know if they're any good anymore. I don't know how that works, but, but here are the seeds, right? And I love this. Uh, I love this picture uh, because this is what Jesus says about mustard seeds. He says, then Jesus says, what is the kingdom of God like? How can I illustrate it? It is like a, a tiny little mustard seed. This is are. You can't even get one. It's super tiny, right? You can't even see it. There's nothing there. How can I illustrate it? It's like a tiny mustard seed that a man planted in a garden. It grows and becomes a tree, and the birds make nests in its branches. Side note here, we're in the book of Acts, but if you know anything about the Bible, a fun fact to have, and have in your ba- bank is that Luke is actually the first half of one book, which is Luke and Acts. It's one book together, so that comes from Luke. But anyways, I love this picture because because it's so surprising, isn't it? It's so surprising. A small seed grows into this massive plant. All this potential packed in this tiny little thing. That's how God works. It's surprising. It's sometimes weird, which brings us back to where we spent most of last week. We've got to go back. Fast forward again. From there, back to here, okay? Okay. Remember that noise? That's another one. Uh, Also, was that more so like the VHSs? Yes? Okay, that's maybe more a little bit of it. Okay. But back to where we ended last week. Last week, something happened. We kind of got into it at the beginning of it. At the end of last week, we are talking about this moment that happens where Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Don't leave Jerusalem until it happens. So all the disciples, they get into this room, and all of a sudden, there's this massive noise, this bang that can be heard all around the community. So everybody freaks out, like, what is going on? They all all descend on this one little house where where the the noise came from, and the the disciples come out. They had just had this experience where God had come, and the Holy Spirit had come and bent inside of them and, and filled them up with this amazing power and God's presence, and they were able to suddenly start speaking in languages that everybody could understand. It was incredible. So they walk out of the house people were like, who are these guys? They're just regular guys, and they're speaking in languages I know, which is interesting, because at that time, people would have traveled from all over, speaking all kinds of different languages, to be in Jerusalem at that exact time, because there was a festival happening. And they're like, what is going on? Who are these people? Why are they speaking this different language? And then, Peter steps forward. Peter starts speaking. Peter, the, the clumsy, mistake-prone, over-eager goofball who had just denied even knowing Jesus three separate times, that Peter steps forward and starts preaching, <laughs> like talking, and speaking. And he's saying some stuff. And the first thing he says is, guys, we're not drunk. <laughs> it seems like that. But it's 9 a.m. in the morning. We're not he says this has been in the works for a very long time. Peter's whole sermon, it's, it's Jesus is the one we've been waiting for. He's the Messiah. He rose from the dead. He's the one that God has appointed as Lord and Savior, which means basically Jesus is the leader we've been waiting for. He's the one who makes us right before God. And when Peter says these things, suddenly the people that are watching, which is in the thousands of people that show up in this moment, their, their hearts are pierced, it says. And they, they ask, Peter, what, what should we do? What are we to do next? And so it says this, Acts in chapter 2, verse 37, it says, Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Shortly after that, 3,000 people, which, like, the number of people in existence at that time is so much smaller than now. Like, 3,000 is an incredible number. It's, it's mind-blowing when you really think about it. But 3,000 people believed, and they started, like, getting together. They, they formed this community of people. You might call it a, a church, and this is what it says about it. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the sharing of meals including the Lord's supper and a prayer a deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had okay so this is the first church like the very first church in existence But it doesn't stop there. It continues. It keeps going. A chapter later, we find Peter speaking with the local Jewish leaders. He says this, you are the children of those prophets. He's talking to the Jewish people. And you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. And this will ring true. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you people of Israel to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Did you see it? It's pretty obvious, right? Like a tiny little mustard seed. God had planted in the ground years and years and years and years had passed until it finally sprouted. The blessing was there all along. The blessing was the plan all along. When Jesus showed up, it just finally emerged from the ground. It's like my garden. We planted a garden this last couple, like a few weeks back. And, uh, it's hard to see a little bit, but there are a couple bean plants in there and all the weeds. Yeah, that's great. Um, But our garden, everything was going great. Everything was sprouting, everything was awesome, but it was the beans. Like, I was like, are they ever gonna come out? Did I do something wrong? Like, I I know, like, you plant it, you water it, you do the things. I was nervous. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever gardened? Like, is it ever gonna come up? And then all of a sudden, it sprouts, pops out of the ground. It's like, wow, it happened. It's amazing. So exciting. That's how the church started. That's how the church started, with Jesus, with the blessing that the apostles were witnesses to. And like we talked about last week, this this message of Jesus, it was offensive. A number of people did not like hearing it. But somehow, the more people tried to fight the message, it's kind of like the more you like weed, the more weeds come. It kind of feels that way. But the more people tried to fight the message, the more it took root, and it spread. It just keeps going, and it keeps on spreading. People believe. People are offended, and then the believers, they form these churches, and the pattern happens over and over and over again, all the way through through the book of Acts. And the message through the whole book is clear. It's the same. It's crystal clear. God sent Jesus to fulfill his promise to bless the nations. He's the Messiah, he's the rightful king, he's the priest, he's God in human flesh. And this kingdom, like this plant that emerges from the ground, it bursts into the world in the most unique and unpredictable ways, forming a group of people. People who are then scattered around the world, who, who live with this unique kind of freedom that's it's, it's odd. Who live with this certain set of convictions, which, which makes them to the rest of the world looking in, just look strange. The church became this very strange group of people, strange because they followed the teachings of Jesus. For example, this one. It's Jesus talking here. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. This group of people, this church, they, they love their enemy. Like, what's up with that? Like, why would you do that? That's strange. That's odd. Or this one, this other teaching of Jesus. It says, then Peter came to him and asked, he's talking to Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Sounds like a lot. No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times Seven. So, people are looking in at these churches and they're like, you guys are forgiving way too much. Like, that can't be healthy. Like, that, that's, that's messed up. I'm not sure if you guys are doing this. Like, right. why are you doing that? Or this teaching from Jesus. It says, But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rules in this world, lord, rulers in this world, lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. And it keeps going. Next slide here. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. These people, these groups of churches like scattered around that that ancient, ancient area, they served each other. Served the people who by most people's standards should be serving them. The churches bucked the traditional mindset. The mindset of take what you can get. Punish your enemy. Hold that grudge as long as you have to. Assert your power. They turned it all on its head. It's weird. Like, like when you really look at the culture they did this in, and, and the way that these people began to grow the church... It, It was like watching an episode of an old TV show like this one. You're traveling to another dimension. How many of you remember that? Sometimes it feels like we live in the Twilight Zone these days. (laughs) This feels really real. Speaking of the Twilight Zone... I'm going to ask you a little bit of permission this morning. Do I have permission from you guys this morning to geek out for a moment? Yes? 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 All right, good. All right, thank you for you. I was a little worried there for a second. Uh, I was reading some articles recently, and like, for some reason, these articles caught my eye. I'm not an expert in any of these by any sense of imagination, but sometimes I, I read weird stuff just for fun. And so I stumbled on this article recently. It says this, fundamental breakthrough. Error-free quantum computing gets real. I told you, geeking out. You're like, why is he talking about that in church? I don't know the first thing about this side, like Wikipedia it up like crazy. And, and I told you it was geeky, but, but here, just give me a minute, and I'll connect it all the dots together. A quantum computer apparently does this crazy thing, so it offers off these crazy principles of quantum mechanics to solve problems at an insanely fast rate. To give you an example, there are these problems that it would take like the fastest normal computer on the planet 10,000 years to compute. 10,000 years. A quantum computer can do the same calculation in 200 seconds. It's crazy. It does this by tapping into the strange things that happen when things get really, really small. Stuff I don't understand, but it's like quibits, and I don't even have a clue what they are, but but all I know is what the article says. And the article says this, a normal computer operates in ones and zeros, and each transistor has to be either that one or the other. With quantum mechanics, each little quibbit, I don't know what they are, again, I'm not sure, but they can be either a one or a zero or both at the same time. <laughs> right, it's weird. And you're like, huh? And I'm like, well, I don't understand, but I've had it explained to me like this. Here's how it's explained to me. If, if you study atoms, like back in high school or middle school or something, an atom has different parts, right? Neutrons, protons, and electrons. Good job. Feeling smart this morning. Way to go. But, but here's the crazy thing about electrons. Electrons do this really weird thing. They exist in more than one place and in more than one form at the same time. Like they can be two places at once. The point is this, when you get really small, weird stuff starts happening, and, and that's the field of quantum mechanics. Second article, only two, don't worry. Something weird is going on with our universe. Hubble detects changes in the rate of expansion that cannot be explained by current physics. Exciting stuff. If you don't know what the Hubble telescope is, it's a really fancy telescope that takes pictures of everything outside of the Earth. It's taken a lot lot of pictures, and they use this to measure different things. And recently, there's been a lot of data being pulled in, apparently, according to this article. And what it basically says is we had a theory for how fast the universe was expanding. And now with these pictures, that theory isn't quite right. And we're going to need to adjust our theory. It's not what we thought it was. It's not doing exactly what we hypothesized it would do. So not only do things get strange when they get really small... Things also get really strange when they get incredibly large and grand and big scale. Okay, that's the end of the geeking session, but why did I tell you that? I want to start by saying none of this, I'm not trying to say that any of this proves God's existence or anything like that. Science isn't even trying to look for God as a possible explanation, so it's not going to find it. It's not even an option. You can't look in that way. It's not how it works. But but here's why I share these stories. Our universe is far stranger than we know or often realize. There are very weird things that we cannot explain fully everywhere we look. Everywhere we look. It's not all that different from the early church. The early church was weird for a variety of reasons. They did things backwards like loving their enemy, but more than that more than that they had a hope they had this hope these first followers of Jesus they were marked by this belief that our world is headed somewhere that in the end excuse me that there's a beginning and there is an end and that there is a heaven That in the end, it's Jesus who makes all things right. There will be judgment. Evil will get what it deserves. That trusting in Jesus is what makes us right before God. Peter, he's talking in in the book of Acts. A couple chapters later, in chapter 3, verse 19, he says this. This is him teaching, like, what their hope is. He says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah, for he must remain in heaven until the time of the, for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. God has a plan to restore all things. That was a strange belief. Strange like electrons existing in multiple places at one time. Strange like black holes and dark matter and difficult to observe forces causing our calculated expansion of the universe to be off. So the more we understand the strange things in our universe, the more heaven, the more eternity the more God's plan for our world and us as humans seems less fantastical and more like like a faith-needing yet comprehensible view of the world and where it's headed. Our, Our church, a church, is a group of people that believe that this is not how things are meant to be. Pain and suffering and evil, they are not how this world was originally intended to be. God has intervened in history. We believe that most powerfully through Jesus, and it's through Jesus that God has made and is making all things right. And here's the big one. That process, the beginnings and first fruits of that work, it has already begun, and it's happening in and through us, the church. The church is not a commodity. It's not a building, a social club, a social justice initiative. It's not a uniform group of people. It's not a free concert. It's not a free TED Talk. The church is. It is one of the most important things a community can have. It it, it often meets in a building. It's an incredible group of people that come from all kinds of different backgrounds and in all kinds of different places, and it serves as the fabric of a community, and it does amazing things for a community to help it serve and all that kind of stuff, but it's more than those things. The church is, a, the church is a, one of the ways that this mustard seed keeps growing. God's kingdom keeps reaching people. It keeps changing lives. Thursday, it's last Thursday, every Thursday I, I give this sermon to the staff. And some weeks it's like, great, it's looking awesome. Some weeks it's like, ooh, boy he got some work <laughs> this was the second of those this week he's <laughs> like oh boy he needs some work and so that kind of it's always stressful right like you want to make sure it's good uh and there's some things I needed to iron out but I went over and I had a meeting planned with a guy named Ben Field um plenty of you know who he is uh he's he's been a part of the church for a very long time he and his wife Kelly and uh, I'd been meaning to just chat with him for a while and so it was on the calendar and, and it's funny how God works things out because we got to talking, just having a normal conversation about life, plenty of life happening for, for them, and so we were just talking about all those things, and we got onto this thing. Ben and Kelly Field have, for a long time, been part of this ministry, and led this ministry that's connected to a, a church-planning group of people in India. It's called Believe, and it's, it's, got, it's awesome stuff. It's amazing. Um, as I was talking to him, I was reminded of the history that our church has had with them. It was like 12 years ago or something like that, our own Kathy Rowan, who makes things like all the screen stuff that happens, that's her. uh, She uh, connected with this guy named Sonny, who is a pastor over there and leads this big old group of people now. Uh, met him at a conference, a prostitution conference in, in Green Lake, which sounds really bad, but it's actually the anti-thing. Um, so uh, she met him there, talked to them but stuff, got connected. Long story short, Ben and Kelly get connected and a bunch of other people, and uh, they start to support the ministry that he's doing there's planting churches. And there's this picture. This is one right here. There's 18 guys here. These guys are all the, the beginning church planters of, of churches in India, in the, like, the ruralest part of India. They didn't have enough Bibles. They had to share Bibles, 18 of them. These guys go out, and they start churches. Well, over time, RCC got involved a little bit, and and there's been a little bit of money and a little bit of support and a lot of prayer. And uh, as you transition forward, 10 years later, from 2012, this was the 2012 that picture was, 10 years later, there are now 500 churches in India. There are now thousands of kids who are in schools which they would never have had access to. If you know India, the culture there is just completely different. Like Cities maybe feel a bit normal, but especially in the rural parts of the religion, the faith that is practiced, um, if you're in the lower caste, you don't have any rights or privileges. And so to bring this message into that space is is mind-blowing. It's also super dangerous. People have been killed, imprisoned, tortured, all the things today. There are thousands of kids that are in school not only that, there are 200 women right now who are employed, and this is the prostitution part, right? They don't have to practice that. They can be employed in this sewing factory that creates all kinds of great stuff. It's amazing. 500 churches, there are probably 100,000 people more that have been affected. Mustard seed. Amazing, what God does through mustard seed the kingdom of God the reign of God where God rules that's what it is where he is ruling this tiny seed that grows and becomes something much larger so large that birds can rest in its its branches or kids can get an education or people can have an honest job like in physics or astronomy or quantum mechanics, sometimes the truth is stranger than fiction. Like when a community of people, let's call them a church, when they let God's grace and mercy like a mustard seed grow inside of them. When that happens, it messes them up. It makes them do all kinds of weird things that are upside down and downright backwards, like like forgive when they've been wronged, like serve the people they lead, Like, offer grace and mercy when nobody deserves it. Like, care for the outcast. Like, withhold judgment so they can find out a person's story and really care about the person. Like, share the hope that you have. Hope that that Jesus will one day put right all the evil in the world. Like, show a person that they have value because they are made in the image of God. Like, turning from the things that may be pleasurable in the moment, but don't ultimately satisfy. Like, like, studying an old book like this and realizing it is filled with wisdom, filled with an amazing way to live. It's all very strange. It's all very weird. It's a whole lot more than a building. The church. Maybe there's something to it. It makes me wonder, What does God have in store for several hundred people who want to trust and follow Jesus tucked away in a small little town called Ripon? How might we represent Jesus well to the Green Lake countryside that surrounds us? What if what if we're the mustard seed? What if you're the mustard seed? Normally I finish by telling you all the things you should do, like like here are the next steps. But instead, I'm gonna say a prayer, and the prayer is gonna be a prayer of questions. And if you want to ask these questions to God with me for yourself and for our church, then I invite you to pray along with me. Would you pray? Dear God. <laughs> mustard seeds amaze us. They're more than we know. <laughs> And God, as we think about what you're doing in us and through us, we ask God that you would help us to ask these questions. What are you doing in and through me as a person, as a mustard seed, as somebody who's trying Thy best to follow you? What are you going to do through this church, God? How will you lead us? Where do you want us to go? Who do you want us to serve? How do you want us to continue to send your message out? We know that hope is found in it. We know that lives are transformed because of it. We trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.